And that's one thing that I'm super excited to talk about today. We're going to talk about a generational church. So if you do have your Bibles, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 21, verse 3, or verse 1 through 3. But before we get that, I want to give you a little bit of context building into that. So in verse, uh, or in chapter 18, uh, Abraham, and I, Abraham and Sarah are super like old at this point. So we're going to look through the, the lives of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob today. Three elements. And if you were like me, you probably raised in church and you probably heard, you know, you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there's a lot of great songs that have that line in it and it's phenomenal and it's impactful. But that's a great picture for us to see what that actually means to have a generational God. It's not someone that comes and barks orders and says you're going to do this and then he's done. He shows up for you, then he shows up for your kids, then he shows up for your grandkids, then he shows up for your great-grandkids. The Bible tells us that we can either curse four generations or we can bless a thousand. And I don't know about you guys, but I want my sons to feel so blessed just as much as I was blessed. So we're going to look through the lives. So if you could imagine, Abraham's kind of like, for me, Abraham would be my parents. I'm Isaac, and then all of 2911, or all the youth, is like Jacob. Now, each one of them had a divining factor that kind of shows an element of a generational God. So... I want to just kind of break that down. So in chapter 18, like I said a minute ago, there was an element. These, two, these couple of visitors came to Abraham and, and Sarah. And Sarah was like, dude, there ain't no way. These guys showed up and said, you're going to have a son. If you just had someone look you in the face and go, this is going to happen. And you're just like, about that. Let's just, let, you got a lot of passion right now and I'm, I'm loving it. But let's just process this. And so these guys were telling Abraham, she's actually in the tents and she can hear he said, you're going to have a son. Now, he's like over 100. She's like 90. And she's kind of like, there ain't no way. I'm too old for this. And then the Bible actually goes on and talks about how she kind of, my grandmother used to say this word, snickered at him. Like, this just, there ain't no way that's going to happen. You know what I mean? Um, but I, I just want to say to everyone in the room, if you're an Abraham, I want to say it this clearly. Just because you're older doesn't disqualify you from the promises that God still has for you. I want you to hear me today. There is a need for the Abraham generation. Because I'm an Isaac and I can be dumb sometimes. And I can be ignorant sometimes. And I need people like you, Abrahams, and you know who you are. And by the end of the day, if you don't know you're an Abraham, I hope you know you're an Abraham. If not, you're going to fall in the other two categories. And we got a lot of work if you're in the other two categories, I'm just being honest. But I want you to know that you're not disqualified. Uh, so this past year, Papa Larry went with me and Pastor Keith and Brother Todd Lemons up to uh, Crown Point, Indiana. And if y'all know Papa, he don't like to talk. He really <laughs> does not like to talk. Um, yeah, that's right. I have the microphone. You don't. So that's, that's, just, that's just what we're going to do today. Um, so he, the whole way, I got to drive from Kentucky. So Brother Todd drove from Crown Point to Kentucky, and then I drove from Kentucky back to Alabama. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. The whole time, I was either crying because I was laughing so hard from his stories, or I was so intrigued by the things that he has done in his life. Now, I've never spent like 12 hours or however long it takes you to get there via car with Papa Larry, but I have heard some elements. That dude has seen some stuff. But here's the thing. This is what I need us to know. In all areas that we're going to discuss today, we need to create these elements that not just are forced in a car ride for generations like me to hear generations like him. Because here's the thing. Abraham, and we're just going to read it and then we'll come back to Papa. How about that? 
So Abraham, in Genesis chapter 21, verse 1 through 3, it says, Then the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. Everybody say promised. promised. That was weak. Say promised. promised. Now say it like you want it. Promised. promised. That's right. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. I love how the Bible said in his old age. Like, I'm just going to remind you, Abraham, even though when y'all doubted it, it still came to pass, even though you're as old as you were Actually, you're older now than you were then when you got it. So here's the thing about a promise. We got to quit trying to put the promises of God that we claim in our time domain. It's in God's. So the things that God wants to do, it's going to happen when he's ready for it to happen. Quit trying to put his promises in your time domain and let him do what he wants to do. I think this is a clear, easy picture for us. So this happened just at the time God had said it would. In verse 3, Abraham named his son Isaac, and we'll talk about him in a minute. So, our first point today, Abraham represents the generation of promise. We need Abraham's to, re to remind the Isaacs and the Jacobs of his promise. So, there are things, there are times, I'm just going to be honest with you guys. If I have a plumbing problem, if I have an electrical problem, if I have a foundational problem, or if I just have a problem, Papa's probably already been there, done that, and seen it. So I've, I've called Papa. Hey, my pops are leaking. Well, I'll come over if you'll buy supper. I'm like, deal. <laughs> but there needs to be elements there. You, if you don't have an Abraham in your life, get one. If, if you don't have someone that's been somewhere, what's that thing that farmer's insurance says? It's like, I've been a few places, so whatever, you know, something crazy like that. Yeah, we, we know a few things because we've seen a few things. So I think we all need an Abraham in our lives. Now, I'm not saying that you have to come get Papa Larry because you'll have to buy his supper. But we all need those in our lives. <clears throat> but here's the reason why we really need them. Because in the times where it's hard, in the times when it seems tough, and when it seems impossible, they're there to remind us of what God's already done. What, what does that look like? What does that mean? There are things where I'm, 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 just, I'm 30 years old, but I'm not 50, I'm not 60, I'm not 70. There are some things that they have seen, that generation called Abraham, that the promises that have come to pass, that way when you're trying to believe, there's something when you get around to Abraham and they're like, let me show you what God's done, let me tell you this crazy story, let me do this, let me do that, then you can stop and it activates something in your faith to go, you know what, the things I'm believing for, it's going to happen. The promises that God gave them, he fulfilled. So if he gave me that promise, they'll fulfill it. Let me put it to you like this. So this past Friday, me and Samantha got to celebrate our six-year anniversary. We've been married for six years. Thank you for putting up with me for six years. Um, I love you very, very, very much. Thank you for giving birth to our beautiful baby boys. So, but about seven years ago, uh, we were about six months into dating, and she was raising money to go to youth camp because she's been involved with 29-11 for years. This is before I got here. But at the same time, I was raising money to go to Quito, Ecuador with the church that I was involved with down in uh, Blount County, Alabama. And, dude, I'm telling you what. There, I don't know what it is about this church. There is favor when it comes to raising money because they were raising money by the thousands. And I was doing all kind of things. I did a car smash. Levi came down there and gave me like 20 bucks. And I gave him a hammer. I said, just go to town because ain't no one else here. It was me and four other people, and three out of the four were Levi, me, and Samantha. So you can just, I tried four ways like they did, and, tried, and I raised a couple hundred bucks, and, and it was fun, but I was struggling. 
And I'll never forget, we had a program there at the church, and we had a discipleship program. And Owen Darden, that is on our drum, he's our drummer on our uh, worship team, and he's on our youth team. He does a fantastic job. He's been my intern for over a couple years. He's a great guy. But I got him when he was like 12. And I was struggling, man. I didn't know how to raise money for Ecuador. But his parents and then the other gentleman that I was pouring into, their parents got me and said, hey, let's just stop. Let's just process this. And I was like, what are y'all talking about? So they were big hikers. Anybody like to hike? I know the Hubbers hike. I know Pastor Keith hikes. I think Kevin hikes sometimes. And Scott. <laughs> you guys are big hikers. But I'm going to be honest with you. They stopped and said, hey, let's do this hike like with the sponsorship. I'm, I've never heard of this before. It was like six years ago. I'm like 25 and, and ignorant. And I was like, what, what? And they stopped me and said, hey, why won't we get a few people to go on a hike with you, get some sponsors, whether it's 50 cents, 25 cents, $5, $10, whatever it is, and they pledge, and when you hike it, that's how they sponsor you. So I'm going to be dead honest with you guys. So these two young guys went out, and they got like 25 sponsors apiece, ranging from like 50 cents to $5. We hiked 20 miles on a Saturday, and I took... Samantha and Levi with me, and Levi was in like flip-flops, and that was a bad decision. It really was. But they stopped, and we were there. But here's the thing. We raised $2,000 that day. We went, and I, I think my trip was like 25. Yes, y'all can give a hand around applause. Thank you, Jesus. My, I think my trip was like $2,500 or something like that, and I already had a little bit put back. But here's the thing that I thought was cool. Because I was invested in some Jacobs, and I was an Isaac. Some Abraham stopped me and said, hey, let's put some sponsorship to this. Let's get you over the, 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 the bubble, for say. And actually what I got to do is I got to take four to $500 and actually help three or four other people that were trying to go on the same trip. Because God didn't just fill my need. He absolutely overflowed it, and I got to bless other people. Just because I stopped and had some Abrahams in my life and go, just wait a minute. Just think about this. So having a generational church means that you have people in your life that can do that. I got one other little illustration. So last, last Sunday was Mother's Day. I hope all you mothers felt embraced and loved and celebrated. Um, but just to kind of catch you up, the last couple of weeks for me and Samantha, we've been like carless. And uh, so we've been driving Pastor Key's truck around. Praise God, we got some fantastic, I got some fantastic in-laws. So my truck's been in the shop for about two, two weeks, and we just had to put Sam's car in the shop for about 10 to 14 days, two weeks as well. And she looked at me, and I'll never forget what she said. She looked at me, and she said, God's going to have favor on your cars. Like, I mean, talking like dead in the eye, she looked at me. And, and what caught me was there's something encouraging hearing from someone that's gone through the things that you're going through or similar situations. And you don't have those conversations unless you have an Abraham. They're, they're non-existent because guess what, guys? The world wants to tell you what to do and how to do it and when to do it. Not about what God's done and showed up in their life to encourage you for what God's going to show up and do in your life. So you need an Abraham. We need Abrahams in our lives. If you don't have one, find one. Get one. And let me just kind of like, kind of put you at ease. They don't have to be blood-related. They can be through your church family. They could be someone that has the same... You know, beliefs as you that goes to your job that has been through some stuff. Get with someone. Have a conversation. You deserve it. They deserve it because God's not done with the Abraham generation. I will plead that till the day I die on top of the Jacob generation that we'll talk about here in a minute. So, Isaac. 
Isaac is basically anybody that goes to work every day, all day. And that's basically me. <laughs> Woo! But I love my job. But more than that, I do my job so I can be a youth pastor because I love what I get to do because someone did it for me. I'm just being honest with you. So, Isaacs. So, Genesis chapter 27, verse 1 through 4. Now, I want to focus on Isaac. I don't want to focus on Jacob stealing Esau's firstborn rights. But that's part of the story in here, so we're just going to have to kind of break it down. So one day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for, he called for Esau, his oldest son, and said, My son, yes, father, Esau replied, I am old now. That's just a statement, ain't it? Isaac said, And I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and your quiver full of arrows and go into the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish, bring it here for me to eat, and then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my first son, my firstborn son, before I die. Now, between verse 4 and verse 18, where we're going to kind of continue, there's a lot. So go home and read that. Jacob listens to his mom, and it's a bunch of crazy stuff, and just interesting, and he steals it. But I don't want to focus on that, but it's a great story. So if you kind of ran out of things to read, this is a good story to go read. So, chapter 8, or verse 18, just a few verses down. So, Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said, yes, my son. Isaac answered, who are you? Are you Esau or are you Jacob? Jacob replied, lying, it's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you've told me. Here's the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. See, here's the thing what I love about both these dudes, Esau and Jacob. They know there's a blessing to receive. Now, it belonged to Esau, and the Bible kind of talks about that a little bit. And I go home, and I, I, I challenge you to go home and read that and break that down. Because some of you, here's just a quick note, this is the Holy Spirit. Some of you are chasing a promise that belongs to someone else and wasting your time. Just being honest with you guys. But here's the thing. Our second point is this. Isaacs represent the generation of authority. Being an Isaac means you have the responsibility of holding the standard. Now, when I think of Isaac, do we have any bowlers in the house? No? One, back in the back. Cool. Two, Brother David, that's awesome. I don't bowl. I fun bowl. I do the first round, and then my fingers feel like they're going to fall off my hand, so I'm done. Just being honest with y'all. So the youth are like, let's go bowl, and I'm like, no, let's go find a laser tag. I'm just being honest with y'all. But when I think about Isaac, I think about a bowling lane. And I don't know about y'all, but when I bowl, I bowl, and then it goes into the gutter, and I scoot over, and I bowl, and it goes into the gutter. And then I scoot over and turn sideways and I'll bowl it. Finally go straight. But here's the thing about Isaac. There's these things that are, they're assistants. They're called bumpers or guardrails. Have you guys seen them things when kids like bowl? See, here's what I love about Isaac is Isaac is like the bumpers. Isaac is like the guardrails. Because the guardrails ensure that the bowling ball hits the pins. See, if you're an Isaac, take this as an, a word of encouragement. There's going to be some unfun conversations that you're going to have to have. There's going to be some fun conversations that you have to have. But the season that you're in, if you know that you're a Jacob, you have that authority. Now, let me tell you something. That authority doesn't make you a dictator. That gives you the responsibility to hold the standard that God's given you. Whether that's in your family, whether that's at your job, whether that's at the ministry that you're serving at your church, or whatever that may be. Now, for me... Being the youth pastor, I have, a, I have a fantastic team. And a lot of times we have to bump stuff off of each other. And a lot of times I have to correct them and direct them to make sure that that bowling ball hits that pin. 
And I'm like that guardrail to make sure that we succeed in what our goal is. That we're going to do what God's called us to do. That we're not just going to linger around and show up. And, and like we're going to talk about a little bit with Jacob. We're not just going to be like, woo, we did Wednesday night. No, we have a purpose. I want to awaken a generation in our students that belong to this church. I want them to know that they are loved and cherished. That they were bought with a high price. That we're not just all doing what the church does. Is make disciples, destroy the works of the, the devil. We're also waking a generation. Amen. I'm just being honest with you guys. So as an as a Isaac... Sometimes I have to stand there as the guardrail and let someone bump off of me so we can succeed what we're going to do. Now, if you're an Isaac, that seems a little daunting sometimes. Let me encourage you. Sometimes the biggest promises that you have when you become an Abraham will be fulfilled in your Isaac season. So those stories that you're going to get to tell to your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids, they're probably going to happen and sometimes in some of the unfun the unfun seasons in your life. But Isaacs are needed in our culture. They are needed in this church. They are needed in our youth group. So I'm going to kind of paint a picture for you guys. I had a youth pastor, and this guy was brave, very, very brave, because he handed me a microphone. <laughs> now, there was a group of us. Now, this group, I have a buddy that's a youth pastor at the church I grew up in. I got two buddies that are missionaries, and I got one buddy that's a worship pastor. And... It was because we had people that poured into us when we were Jacobs. Now, I, I want to paint a picture. This youth pastor of mine, he's like, hey, John Wesley, they called me Jobo back then too. We're going to let you pray at the end of our service. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be awesome. He handed me that microphone. Any of you guys ever been to a Screamo concert? That's how I prayed. They hand you the microphone so you don't have to scream. But I felt like no one could hear me, so I screamed into the microphone. I was like, Father God, we, I'm, just, I'm not going to do that today because I want you guys to enjoy the sermon. But uh, I, I, I was just so excited. So if you think about it, I had all this fire and I had all this energy and I had no direction. And it was exhausting. And that day he, he sat me down and he said, hey, with all that fire and all that energy you have, where are you going what are you doing? And I remember that day, I, I had a tough conversation with him, and I just kind of bumped off of him, and I was like, you know what? He just told me, he said, why won't you take all that power, all that fire, all that energy that you have, and you direct it into what God's got you to do in this season? And in that season, I was to submit to him to push the vision that he had for our youth group. And I remember just a couple of months later, I was in my quiet time, and God sat down, and he just simply told me this. He said, Jobo, if you won't push his vision, don't, don't expect anyone to ever push your vision. And then I was like, you know what, God, I'll submit. And then when I became a youth pastor, I realized what it was like to be on the flip side of that. So I was like, thank you, Lord, for teaching me that principle back in the day. So we all need Isaacs in our life. So let's talk about Jacob. This is the fun generation. This is the generation that I get to talk to all the time. And if you are a parent, you probably discipline them all the time, right? So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to chapter 35, verse 9 through 11. Now that Jacob had returned from Padamaram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. God blessed him, saying, your name is Jacob, but I will not call you Jacob any longer. From now on, your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. God said, I am El Shaddai. God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. 
You will, be, you will become a great nation, even many nations. Kings will be among your descendants. Verse 12. And I will give you the land I once gave Abraham and Isaac. And I will give it to you and your descendants. Our last point is this. Jacob represents the generation of power. Having all that power with no direction is exhausting. It's exhausting, guys. Just like I had kind of painted that picture a minute ago with that youth pastor that was talking to me. Jacob's have all this idea. They have this crazy thing. Now, let me just pause. Jacob turned into Israel. Israel had 12 sons, and those were the 12 sons of Israel. And that's how Jesus came, and you can go and you can pull up the lineage later. But he is the generation that represents power and multiplication. And we need them. If you think that this church, I love what Pastor Keith said even before the announcements. If our church all looked the same and was the same age, we ain't going to be here in about 50 years. If, if you think this, you know, everybody's going to look the same and look just like you when you get to heaven, it's going to be a big eye opener when you get there. It's going to be very blended. And I think that's the way God designed it for us to be. So it's, it, it's exhausting if you're a Jacob. So let's talk about this a little bit. So when Jacob, when I was a Jacob, when I was fresh on the scene here at Liberty Church, I was excited. And I had a lot of energy. Um, and I remember telling myself, and even Sam, I'm like, we're going to change everything. We're going to change everything. We're going to do everything. And we're just going to take over Arab for the kingdom of God. Amen and hallelujah. And like, we were just fired up. I didn't even live here yet. I was still living in Blount County. I was just, we're going to take it over. And I remember the first time I ever met resistance. And it got tough. And it got unfun. And it wasn't a season that I necessarily particularly enjoyed. But it taught me a lot of stuff. But I remember we were going through that process and dealing with those things. And, and I remember having a conversation uh, with a pastor named Rick and Natalie Palatin. I don't know if any of you guys heard of They're part of our network. And they came down that weekend. And me and Sam got the honor to take them back to uh, the airport that day. And I'll never forget, we had this, and he was like, he was just asking us questions, like, how are you doing, da, da, da. And I'm like, really, I just need some guidance in this area. And I was just like, why did I even bring this up? And I just knew it was a Holy Spirit moment. And he said this to me, and I'll never forget. He said that everything that you're wanting to change, instead of being crazy and trying to change everything, approach it from a different angle and adjust it just a little bit and then see how it happens. And then go up to the people that have built 2911 before you inherited and became the youth pastor and adjust a little bit and say, hey, listen, if we adjust this, we're going to get a better result later. See, here's the thing. That gentleman, that pastor, Pastor Rick, he corrected me, but then he directed me as a Jacob. And I needed that. Now, I don't know if he was an Isaac back then. I don't know if he was an Abraham back then. But that helped me understand. Because here's the thing. In verse 12, we can just kind of put it in a statement like this. I believe Jacob's multiply best in the land of Abraham's and Isaac's. It's we multiply as Jacob's. The next generation that we're pouring into, they multiply best when they're in the blessing of our Abraham's and our Isaac's. So when you give something to someone, as a, youth, as a youth pastor, one of my biggest goals is whenever I hand that baton off to the next youth pastor, they have a bigger and better platform to stand on so that they can go further faster than ever I did. But you, you got to understand that. as like you, we get to be that generational church that gives generational blessings to allow them to build up. 
Allow them to have that blessing. Allow them to have that season, to have those conversations, to manifest the gifts and the talents that God has put inside of them. We need that. We need to have a Jacob moment in our church, in people's lives. Being a generational church has to take time and effort. Guys, you can look around. This doesn't happen overday, overnight, excuse me, or overday, however you want to say it. <laughs> Overtime. This is 25 years. I don't know what Liberty Church will be like in 25 years, but in the bottom of my heart, I know it'll be here. Because we're a generational church. Because we have pastors and overseers and elders and worship pastors and kids ministers and parkers and CR pastors and a hundred other things that we do. Because people step up because God's asked them to. I want you to think about it like this. When I was a kid, every Christmas we used to go to my great-grandparents down in Trustful, Alabama. And we would set up their nativity scenes and their Christmas trees. But my great-grandfather had this train room downstairs. And I was obsessed with it. Now, I don't know if 2911 will remember this, but there used to be tapes that you had to put in a tape player. And you'd play it, and then you'd have, when it got to the end, you had to pause and press rewind, and you had to sit there very impatiently as a kid and be like, I'm ready to watch this. Why are you taking forever? And I remember I just watched those trains and watched those trains, and they started out with, you know, electric ones and um, smoke, all the old smoke ones. Y'all remember the smoke ones with the coal and all that? The smoke engines? Steam engines, excuse me. And I was just praying over this message, and I just remember what God, He just kind of showed me a picture to kind of put it all, you know, to wrap it all up. He said, if you think about it, He said, a church, a generational church is like an old steam engine. And I was like, Lord, what does this mean? And I remember watching that tape as a kid, and I don't know if y'all have ever played with trains, especially like really nice trains. All you get to do is like speed them up and slow them down. For a kid, I don't know why that was so exhilarating. You know, I was like, yeah, all the power. Yes, I don't know. I was just craving it, I guess. But God showed me, because in that movie that I remember watching, it's like this guy was on a, an old smoke engine, and he would shovel the coal, and these little flaps would open, and he would take it, and he would put it in the steam engine. And he'd put it in the steam engine. And God just showed me like this. The coal represents Jacob. The steam engine represents Isaac. And the tracks represent Abraham. Because the thing about the tracks is Abraham can stop, like we said earlier, and say, look what God did. Look at those promises to instill faith in the Jacobs and the Isaacs to say, you know what? No matter what comes, no matter what the enemy tries to do, we're still going to be here because the promise that you fulfilled then, you'll fulfill them now because you're a good God. But as a church... We've got to keep instilling those moments, those conversations. That guy in the middle, I didn't say this in first service, but I feel prompted to say it now. That guy in the middle is those conversations. When those Jacobs and those Isaacs work together. And we got to keep doing that, guys. we got to keep being blended. we got to keep pursuing what God's promised this house. Not because we want to boast on ourselves, but because we want the other people in Marshall County and surrounding areas in North Alabama that don't know Jesus Christ, so they'll know Jesus Christ. So this is what I want to do. If you're comfortable, I want you to just close your, close your eyes and bow your heads. And I want to challenge. There's two group of people I want to talk to. I want to challenge the first group. You already know Jesus. You already know 
that you're going to heaven without a shadow of a doubt. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to do some real business with Jesus. And everybody online, you as well. I want you to do business with Jesus. I don't know which one I am. I'm serving all over the place. Am I Abraham over here? Am I Isaac over here? Am I Jacob over here? Why won't you just stop and say, God, show me. And this is what I want you to do. When he reveals it to you, I want you to do it to the best of your ability. From here on out, I'm going to be the best Abraham I can. I'm going to be the best Isaac I can. I'm going to be the best Jacob I can because that's who you've called me to be. And you're going to do work with God today, and you're going to fulfill that for the rest of your life until you draw your last breath and meet Jesus Christ face to face. And then there's another group. We've got ushers in the back. They're going to slip something in your hands. But if you say, you know what, John Wesley, all that sounds really great, but I don't even know the guy that set me free from the bondage of hell. I don't even know God in the way to give me a blessing to even be uh, an Abraham. I don't even know what it's like to be any of those elements. This is what I want you to do. I'm just going to count to three real quick, and I just want you to throw your hands up. There's going to be an usher that puts a little packet in your hand, and it's going to take your next steps, and then we're going to pray. There's nothing crazy. There's not any loops. There's not any hoops that you have to jump through. It's just you being vulnerable with Jesus Christ saying, you know what? I believe that you did what the Bible says you did. That's it. So if that's you, one, you're not scared. Two, you're ready. Three, this is your day. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. That's all you got to do. Say, you know what? I want to be the next Jacob so I can turn into an Isaac because one day I want to look at my grandkids and talk about the promises because I want to be an Abraham. There might be someone online. So would you guys just repeat this prayer after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We believe He died on the cross. He rose again on the third day to save me from hell. Lord, I'll follow you and I'll be obedient to you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give them a round of applause? Yeah, amen. Well, you guys, you guys are dismissed. I want to say thank you for dealing with me, everyone online. Thank you for hanging out with us. I hope you have a great day. Don't forget, find a teenager, buy a Boston butt, because they deserve to go to camp. So we love you and we thank you. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen.